Holy Father in heaven, thank you for giving us life. Thank you for protection. Thank you for guidance. Thank you for the mercies which you have bestowed upon us in the numerous tokens that you've given to us in the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, for sustenance of our health, for protection, guidance, and security. We thank you, Lord, for all these things, and we say may all honor, glory, and praise be ascribed unto your holy name. Father in heaven, without you we can do nothing. We want to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Please come and walk in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. As we go through the words of our devotion, as we listen, Lord, I pray that your spirit shall be upon all who are listening and be upon me as I speak, O Lord, that we all may be lifted to heavenly places to the end that we may reflect the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage February 1 Build an Ark And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark. Genesis chapter 6 verse 13 and 14 God gave Noah the exact dimensions of the ark and explicit directions in regard to its construction in every particular. Human wisdom could not have devised a structure of so great strength and durability. God was the designer and Noah the master builder. It was constructed like the hull of a ship, that it might float upon the water, but in some respects it more nearly resembled a house. The material employed in the construction of the ark was the cypress or gopher wood, which would be untouched by decay for hundreds of years. The building of this immense structure was a slow, laborious process. The race of men then living were of very great stature and possessed wonderful strength. The trees were vastly larger and far surpassing in beauty and perfect proportions than anything mortals can now look upon. The wood of these trees was of fine grain and hard substance, in this respect more like stone. It required much more time and labor, even of that powerful race, to prepare the timber for building, than it requires in this degenerate age to prepare trees that are now growing upon the earth. Even with the present weaker strength men now possess. Every piece of timber was closely fitted and every seam covered with pitch. All that men could do was done to make the work perfect. Yet, after all, 
God alone could preserve the building upon the angry, heaving billows by his miraculous power. Methuselah and his sons and grandsons lived in the time of the building of the ark. They, with some others, received instruction from Noah and assisted him in building the ark. While Noah was giving his warning message to the world, his works testified of his sincerity. It was thus that his faith was perfected and made evident. He gave the world an example of believing just what God says. All that he possessed, he invested in the ark. Every blow struck upon the ark was a witness to the people. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Build an Ark. As we have been looking at the world before the flood, which is actually a replica like our Lord Jesus said, and I hope that we consider this to be a very important matter that Jesus said that the world before the flood is a, is a replica of our world today and that just as it was before the flood that is how it's going to be in our time before the son of man will come and we have looked at various similarities but most importantly the similarity we are going to have in the response of the people to the message is something we should really look into we do not want to be among those who would respond with mockery or those who will be convicted and later backslide or among those who will not even be convicted at all. We looked at that yesterday. We don't want to be among those class. We want to be among the few who would help in our topic for today, building an ark. What does build an ark represent for us today? The building of that ark was told to Noah by God. As we read from Genesis 6 verse 13, it says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. I'll stop here. What does this represent for us? The building of the ark for Noah was a preparation he needed to do for the coming flood, for the coming destruction of our of his world. The for us now, our own preparation is what it should represent. As Noah prepared by building an ark, we also are to prepare. How we are to prepare, we will talk about that later. But firstly, let us look at the ark itself. You see, our God is a God of architecture. The whole world, the whole universe, and everything that dwells in it, the Lord made it. As we see wonderful structures like the birds, the four-footed beasts, the creeping things, and humanity itself, we see eternal, infinite wisdom in display. And even today, why is it that man doesn't go beyond nature whenever they want to build things? The car is built like four-footed beasts. The train is like the centipede. 
and the millipede. The planes are like the birds. The robots are built in form of any of these things but especially built like humans. Why? Because you can't go past eternal and infinite wisdom. The way God made these things is just so intelligent that it has already given us a hint of what we should do. Look at the artificial intelligence of today. Why do they not go past the structure, at least the physical structure that the Lord has made in the in the spiders, in the four-footed beasts and the humans? It's, it, you can't go past it for balance. They just have to follow the same thing that the Lord has done. So it is in this issue of the ark. In the days of Noah, it wasn't heard of that there's something called rain. Nothing like rain had ever fallen. So when Noah was telling them that God was going to destroy the world with a flood, it was a strange thing to some. Some believed, like we looked at yesterday, others did not. But today, there are people who still do not believe that it was possible for there to be something like an ark that Noah built, especially when they think of the fact that this ark was supposed to take all the species of the animals that the Lord created, some in their twos, the unclean animals, and some in their sevens, the clean animals. And people wonder, but let's just go through the dimensions and see what the Lord said, that we may not be doubtful and unbelieving. As I read now, Genesis 6, reading from verse uh, 14, it says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. So here we just looked at the dimensions and structure, inner structure and outer structure of this ark that the Lord told Noah to construct. You know, people usually question the possibility of there being this ark that Noah could take his family into and all the land animals and birds and as God stipulated. But when we consider that Noah was a giant who was at least three times the size of men today, we will not stumble in unbelief at this point. Let us take for example Goliath. Goliath was at least 10 feet tall and he lived many many years after the flood. He lived in a time when men died at age 70, at least David who killed him died at age 70. Noah lived a whooping 
10 centuries noah died at the age of 950 and the people who died in noah's time were of the same way methuselah 969 adam 930 these people were not dwarfs before noah goliath will be a dwarf we need to understand this concept if we must understand clearly the size of that ark and i'll tell you why you see goliath like i said did not even live up to 100 years noah could easily be more than three times bigger and taller than goliath you see the bible calls them giants let that let that really be have an influence in our understanding when the bible says people were giants they were giants indeed as we have seen even the small cattail which we have today just go and check the and the, the plant that's called a cattail very small today it was growing up to 60 feet before you should then understand what the man before the flood was like he was indeed a giant and like i said if there's anything less perhaps it's just like three times bigger than what goliath was for us i'll still be moderate and say three times bigger than us three times now they were massive in structure these people so when we look at the size of this ark in length 300 cubits in breadth 50 cubits and in height 30 cubits now this is where we would understand how big this ark was today a cubit is we say is about 30 centimeters or thereabout but the definition of a cubit a cubit is a historical unit of measurement and it takes various forms depending on the time we're living in and the reason is this the cubit is notionally based on the distance from a grown man's elbows to his fingertips take note it is the distance from a grown man's elbows to his fingertips now just check your own elbow to your fingertip today how long is it you can see that from your elbow to your fingertips is nothing less than for most men because it's a grown man for most men today it is nothing less than 50 centimeters to 60 centimeters which is about two feet so imagine someone three times bigger than us what will it be if it is almost two feet for us today a cubit then what will it be for noah then you're talking about almost six feet even if you say noah was two times bigger than us then you're talking about four feet four feet that is what a cubit was for noah but i would say that if you want to be moderate four feet you can still say five six feet for one cubit when we consider this fact then we can have a better picture of what that ark was like suffice to say that that ark was a massive structure a wonderful and amazing spectacle to behold which could easily take noah's family and animals nothing less can be expected from such a perfect wise and holy god as he who made the universe let us also consider that there are some massive structures built just after the flood by men inferior to noah and what i'm referring to is the ancient pyramids and i'll talk about just two of these pyramids one of them is the great pyramid of giza in egypt you ever seen that pyramid with the sphinx in front of it it was men who constructed that by the way and they were not using small materials like we use today glass and 
some ceramic and plastic and all of that no they were using heavy materials like stone and that's the reason why men of today cannot build those pyramids not because of the sheer size men can build things of that size but not with the same material the stones that were moved from place to place to make those pyramids man can do that and how do we know the stones were moved because they are blocks which are also done with pitch not with nail now they were also pitched from within and without and when you go in you find out that it is hollow it has space inside it is not a mountain that they just carved things out of no this is something they moved stones one after the other to build these massive pyramids so being hollow inside you can tell that they built this structure and i'm saying consider that the people who built these pyramids lived after noah lived after those giants for men after the flood to achieve such a great feat then what do you think uh noah would achieve but what do we mean by great feat let us just look at the size of this pyramid of giza in egypt that pyramid it's 138 meters in height for those who would understand using feet we're talking of 455.4 feet in fact originally it was 480.6 feet that's how tall it was and many people consider this to be the largest pyramid in the world yeah when you use height yes but it's not actually the largest in volume there's another pyramid called the pyramid of Cholula in mexico this one stands at a height of just 66 meters and you feel that oh it's small but not so that's 217 feet when you compare it to the pyramid of giza that's 455.4 you see People think oh that one is bigger but no if measured by volume the great pyramid of cholula is the largest pyramid in the world its total volume is 3.3 million cubic meters put it in perspective 3.3 billion liters that's what it is or 116.5 million cubic feet now this is big you see this dwarfs the, the, the that of the great pyramid of giza it was an Aztec temple. The pyramid is also called, there's another name, it's called the Great Pyramid of Tepanapa. And it's located in Cholula, close to Mexico City. You see, the building of these pyramids, was, like I said earlier, was achieved by men who lived after the flood. These pyramids stand as a monument to the ability of these men. Men today can only stand in amazement at the sheer size of these pyramids. And not just the sheer size, an amazement of the fact that they were using stones to build this thing. How did they move them? We can't do that today. Yet, those who did it were not described as we see in Genesis chapter 6 verse 4. Take note. These men in Genesis 6 verse 4 were described as mighty men. Men of renown. But those who, 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 who built these pyramids were not described as mighty men. <laughs> men of renown. One can only wonder what the ability of those before the flood could have been. The dimensions of the ark built by Noah was a length of 300 cubits, the breadth of 50 cubits, and the height of 30 cubits. Like I said, one cubit in Noah's day will be nothing less than 4 feet for us today. As I look at my own hand, I can tell my, the, my own cubit here is almost 2 feet. So I'll just roughly say 2 feet. And Noah being 2 times, 3 times bigger than me, I would expect his own cubit, the cubit of a grown man in Noah's day, will be 
nothing less than four feet. I'm just being moderate to say four feet. But if I will be, if I'll follow three times bigger than myself, then you will be talking about six feet. That's what you'll be saying. I don't want to do all the maths. So you have to multiply six by 300, six by 50, and six by 30 to get a picture today of what that arc will be like. And that's when we are being moderate. It could be more than six. Now, when you do this calculation, you will understand how big that arc was. So don't stumble asking yourself, how did the, how did the animals enter there? Another thing you should take note of, our Lord is such a wise God. Another thing you should take note of is that the Lord said that that ark, if we look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 16, he said, A window shall thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shall thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories. So that ark was well divided. God took advantage of the space in the ark being 30 cubits high this thing is divided into the ground floor the lower story the second story and the third story so it had four different compartments some people imagine that the animals just entered into the ark and they were all staying on the same floor and it also had rooms they were rooms god said to noah that he should make rooms genesis 6 verse 14 make thee an ark of gopher wood rooms shall thou make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch so when you have a better picture that this ark had three compartment four compartments which is three stories and then it had rooms you will not stumble and be wondering oh how it how are they staying there that place must have been smelling and then oh did you ask yourself how could they have taken every one of them now imagine the length of that arc. Maybe in your mind, you have been thinking that there were no stories. So in your mind, you're thinking that, oh, all the animals would just stay in one ground floor. Now, imagine having three more compartments for the animals to stay. Now, you would understand that it will take them. Those three more compartments would take more animals to stay in them. And there were rooms. So it was not unhygienic, as you may think. Another thing you may be wondering, how did they live? In the ark with the animals if you ever wondered and thought about maybe you know something about animals whenever there's a storm animals don't move they stay in one place do you know that some animals can stay for three months in one spot and even more today penguins in the antarctica once it is time for the cold season everywhere is icy they stay in one place three months they didn't go nowhere the albatross the same they stay in one place that's a bird called the albatross they stay there and they don't even eat three months they don't eat that's a long time for the animals today which are inferior to the animals before so don't stumble on these points thinking that it is impossible it is very very possible i would even add that a bear goes in hibernation for many days without eating food you know the animals are not like us they can really endure and when it comes to, like I said earlier, whenever there's a storm, look at the, the way they behave. They don't move around. They just stay in one spot. And it's no big deal for them. And if you're wondering about food, Noah still took food with him there. If they needed to eat, they would have eaten. So please, don't have unbelief on this matter. The flood did happen. Noah did build an ark. And that ark could actually take all that God wanted it to take. 
Now, in the making of this ark by Noah, we have an important lesson to learn. Very important lesson. As we read Conflict and Courage, page 38, paragraph 4, it says, Every piece of timber was closely fitted, and every seam covered with pitch. All that men could do was done to make the work perfect. Yet, after all, God alone could preserve the building upon the angry heaven billows by his miraculous power. The lesson for us to learn here is that we should understand that it is not by our works that we are saved. Noah prepared and followed everything God asked him to do. So also we are to prepare and follow everything the Lord asks us to do in preparation for the coming destruction. But also know that that preparation is not sufficient to keep us during that storm. The preparation is not sufficient. It is God alone that can sustain us. But yet, if we do not follow the directions that the Lord gave to us, God will not keep us. That is a lesson for us. Conflict and Courage, page 38, paragraph 5 says, Methuselah and his sons and grandsons lived in the time of the building of the ark. They, with some others, received instruction from Noah and assisted him in building the ark. While Noah was giving his message to the world, his works testified of his sincerity. It was thus that his faith was perfected and made evident. I'll talk about this in a bit, but from what we read earlier, we can see that Noah's preaching was not in vain as some would imagine. Noah did preach and some people did listen and Methuselah and his sons joined Noah in building that ark and by the way this ark took 128 120 years to build that must have that should tell us that it was really big and going back to what I was saying now Noah had help his sons helped him that's why it's not good to watch movies when you watch these movies of Noah they make him look like one crazy person he had only his three sons helping him it was not just his three sons that helped him. When Noah was born, remember that there were some people who gave him the name Noah, saying, This son shall comfort us from our sorrows and from the curse which the Lord has placed on the earth. There were other godly people. These godly people, Noah's grandfather, who is uh, his great-grandfather, which is Enoch, had a son, which was also a godly man. That is Jared. And Jared, a godly man, sorry, Lamech, Lamech, a godly man, gave birth to Noah. Noah gave birth to his own sons. Now, these people, Methuselah had sons. And the same with uh, Enoch's father, who was even alive at the time, Jared. They all were godly people. And they assisted in the preaching and the building of the ark. Along with some of the people who had apostatized, they listened and their heart was broken and they, they, they converted and they joined Noah in the building of that ark. Now, it wouldn't surprise us why God permitted only Noah to enter the ark. When God said in the book of Genesis chapter 6, reading from verse 18, it says, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark with thy sons and thy wife. And when we read Genesis chapter 7 verse 1, we see an information as to why God would have permitted just Noah's family to enter the ark. Genesis 7 verse 1 says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. 
Now remember that the Bible says that God said that man had corrupted his way before God. God wanted to begin a new generation and he needed someone that was pure, that was not corrupted. It is possible, just saying, that even the other people who were converted, God didn't find them to be people whom he could use to begin the world's generations again, perhaps by some inheritance in themselves or some cultivated tendencies or some change in their genetics that made it to be something that the Lord wouldn't permit, even though they repented and the Lord did accept their repentance regardless of whatever they had done in the past. So for us today, the lesson is that the Lord can forgive us. As there were some people who listened to the preaching of Noah and joined in building the ark, remember that if you would listen to the words of the Lord today, God will accept you. But you would also have to join in the building of this ark. You have to join in making the preparation for the second coming of Jesus. Conflict and Courage, page 38, paragraph 6 says, While Noah was giving his warning message to the world, his works, his works testified of his sincerity. It was taught that his faith was perfected and made evident. He gave the world an example of believing just what God says. All that he possessed, he invested in the ark. Every blow struck upon the ark was a witness to the people. End of quote. Now here is a very, very important lesson for us to take today. Please don't miss this one. As we go through these devotions, what we are hearing is the warning of Noah to all of us once again. As it was in the days of Noah, so it is now. Some responded and helped Noah to build the ark. This is the response we are supposed to have. Our hearts are to be in deep conviction and we are to afflict our souls for fires coming upon this world. The Lord says to us today in the book of Ezekiel 7 reading from verse 3, Now is the end come upon thee, and I will send mine anger upon thee, and will judge thee according to thy ways, and will recompense upon thee all thine abominations, and my eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense thy ways upon thee, and thine abominations shall be in the midst of thee, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus said the Lord God, and evil, and only evil, behold is come, an end is come, the end is come, it watcheth for thee, behold, it is come. The morning is come unto thee, O thou that dwellest in the land, the time is come, the day of trouble is near, and not the sounding again of the mountains. Now will I shortly pour out my fury upon thee, and accomplish mine anger upon thee. And I will judge thee according to thy ways, and will recompense thee for all thine abominations. And mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. I will recompense thee according to thy ways and thine abominations that are in the midst of thee. And ye shall know that I am the Lord that smiteth. Behold, the day. Behold, it is come, the morning is gone forth, the rod hath blossomed, pride hath budded, violence is risen up into a rod of wickedness, none of them shall remain, nor of the multitude, nor of any of theirs, neither shall there be wailing for them. The time is come, the day draweth near, let not the buyer rejoice, 
nor the seller mourn, for the wrath is upon all the multitude. Oh, as we hear these things today, as we hear these things today, brothers and sisters, we are listening again to the preaching of Noah. Let us respond accordingly. These words spoken are as the blows struck upon the ark. The changes and reformations we make in our life will testify to the sincerity of our belief. It makes no sense to preach a message of a coming destruction whereas in our lives the people cannot see us preparing for that destruction. As Noah's preparation of the ark testified of his sincerity and also perfected his faith, we also are to testify of our sincerity by making all the changes in our lives that the word of God demands. For this alone can testify of our sincerity. There are many today who say, Maranatha, let him come. They shout, Maranatha, let him come. It has become a mantra for a certain set of Christians. Others talk about the coming of Jesus, but yet all their plans, all their plans are plans for this world. There is no visible evidence in their lives that they believe what they are preaching. No change in custom, no change in practice, no preparation to see that they really believe what they are saying. Just like the people of the world they are planting and building. Like those before the flood, they are engrossed in business, hoping for better days to come. Noah put all his resources into the preparation of the flood. He believed the flood was coming and we could see that he believed it because he took 120 years building an ark. 100 and nobody nobody will see Noah and say this man doesn't believe what he's saying because his works testified to his faith he is telling the people the flood is coming and they see him cutting the trees cutting them and putting them in shape cutting them into shape and putting them on the floor nailing everything um, sorry using pitch and that's another problem with the movies the movies make it look like Noah was using nails he didn't use nails he used pitch and as they see him using that pitch to prepare the ark, they would understand and say, wow, this man really believes what he's saying. All his resources he's using to build this ark. How about us today? We are telling the people, Jesus is coming. What evidence is in your life shows that you believe Jesus is coming? Let's leave Jesus is coming first of all. We believe that there's something coming ahead of us. We say there's oh, going to be a time of trouble such as never was. And you're just idly waiting for the time of trouble to come. Did not the Lord tell us to prepare? Did he not tell us that there are certain things we should do both spiritually and physically in this world in preparation for that trouble? What preparations are you making, especially in your life? What changes are you still continuing in your sin? For Noah, they could see that this man believed that only the righteous will enter that ark and in his life they could tell he was not joining them in their iniquity he was not joining them in their dissipation someone who could have been planning for future days to come noah didn't do that they could see that he was planning for a destruction to come are you planning and preparing for a destruction or are you preparing for the world to become a better place oh there's so much talk about the world becoming a better place like i've been saying concerning the technology genetic engineering and all of that they're thinking that they are making the world a better place they're thinking of going to mars are you joining the world in thinking of going to mars and that there are many many years ahead of us i don't know how many years we have left noah's day they had 120 years of probation but one thing i'm sure of is no human has 120 years left for them even if the lord gives us 120 years as i am personally as you are personally individually you will die before 120 years our probation is short 
What are you doing with it? Are you sincere when you are telling people that Jesus is coming? Let your sincerity show firstly in the change of your life. Come out of evil. Come out of iniquity. Stop the abominations and start doing right. Then secondly, start preparing for that day. The Lord has told us that we need to leave the cities and go to the countryside. I'm not saying that we should hurry ourselves out of the city now, but at least have that in mind and pray for the Lord to give you an opening for divine providence to do that for you so that you can leave. For some people, it is not even in their minds to prepare at all. We are insincere when we are telling people, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, but yet our lives are like that of the world, especially that one. That is the main thing that shows that we are just talking. We don't even understand what we are saying, neither are we preparing for it. Because if you believe that Jesus was coming, you will afflict your souls in deep conviction and repentance and change your ways and be a different person like Noah was. And secondly, you will make other preparations in this world. Your plans will take a different turn. You will be using many of your resources like Noah to preach the word of God to the people and you'll be using many of your resources to prepare for the trouble coming ahead of us. People are not going to be able to buy or sell. Are you not supposed to do something about that? Are you not supposed to prepare for that time when people will not be able to buy or sell because that's a storm that is coming for God's people. A storm came for Noah. He was in that storm but he had already kept his own food in the ark locked himself in there and was ready. How about us? Are we ready? Are we preparing for that time when we will not be able to plant and build? When we will not be allowed to buy or sell? Are we not supposed to be making preparations for that? Let our works testify of the sincerity of our faith. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 says, Now all these things happened unto them for examples and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. So many similarities. The story of Noah is written for us, to learn, to learn, for us whom the ends of the world are come. As we see Noah, what he did, we learn what we are supposed to do. As we see those who were in their sins, what they did in listening and changing their lives to become godly people we then learn what we are supposed to do brothers and sisters why don't you allow god into your heart today why don't you allow his spirit to touch you you may be struggling with one thing or the other i don't know me too i'm struggling and i am one of those i'm not a noah i'm one of those who are listening to the preaching of noah and it's my desire that we all would break our hearts, would be convicted, would be afflicted in our souls and make the changes and reformations. Look, in making these reformations, you are going to be so different from the world. We'll talk about that in our subsequent devotions. You're going to be so different, but don't be discouraged. This is what you must be. The world is so far removed. The image of God is defaced from man today. So it shouldn't surprise you that you are going to be very different. Nevertheless, be different. Dare to be different. May the Lord give us the grace to do what we need to do in all the preparation of our own ark. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Father in heaven, we thank you for your word which has come to us today. We see especially 
your mercy and goodness in that your word was able to touch some people and they changed. We want to be among those who will join in building the ark, who will change our ways and reform our lives in preparation for your coming. But we struggle for many years just like the antediluvians we have been in our life of sin. But you who helped those men to change their ways and join in building that ark can also help us. We are encouraged. Like your word says, these things were written for our comforts. We are comforted to hear that this wicked generation, among them, as wicked as they were, some changed. We also, we believe that you can do it for us. For all who are listening, they have their own struggles. They are praying. They are asking you to help. I trust you, Lord, and I know you love us, and I know you will help. Please, Lord, let none of us backslide again. Keep us in the faith and help us to build the ark and prepare for your coming. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.